Your glory fills this
Father, we just want to stand in this moment of surrender to you. of your presence. Lord, there's a place of joyful surrender. A place where we just bow before you. Everything in us bows before you, Jesus. And tonight in this place, there's a sweet presence. We never want to rush from your presence. Just waiting here a moment. You know, life is so busy. We're just rushing to the next thing. But there's a place where we just wait in his presence in rest and in surrender. We just surrender. Lord, we surrender. We surrender tonight, Lord. We lay down the heavy burdens we lay down the struggles. We just surrender tonight. It's just a place where Jesus is near tonight. He's here. It's, it, it, it's, there's a different kind of presence tonight. He's come close. And there's a sweetness of his presence. Because he wants to, it's like he's coming close. Because he wants to just put his arms around you, around us. We do surrender. We surrender all to you. We surrender all to you. Lord, we don't know how to do the things you're calling us to do. Lord, we don't even know what it all means. Lord, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what the future looks like. But we know you. And so tonight we are surrendering to you. To say, Lord, we trust you. As we move forward, we trust you. As we go into this eighth year, we trust you. We trust your goodness, God. We trust you. We trust in your mercy. We trust in your provision. We surrender. We surrender. We surrender, God.
Can we sing that song, We Surrender? But can you sing it, We Surrender? I feel like we need to corporately, as we're in this place, we, in God's house, we're surrendering to Him. As a house, as a body, we are gonna, we're surrendering. So God, we, we need you. Blessed Savior, we surrender. We bow before your throne. We lay our crowns before you. Tonight, we surrender. Lord, let it be written in heaven and on earth that tonight, we surrendered. In the house of Prepare the Way, we surrender. And we said, God, we are yours. We will go where you go. We will go as long as you go with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Shore mahasore makareshia. Kura santurosho. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the embrace of Jesus. There's something just really special that's going on here tonight. I just feel like Jesus is just wrapping his arms around you, bringing you close to his heart. That's why I don't want to rush from this moment. Because in him, when he brings you close, there's healing. There's peace that comes. Everything that's missing begins to be added to us. Just receive from him tonight. Just receive. We don't even know what we need. But when he comes near... And he is with us. 
What a privilege. The Son of God is here with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Shore makasara mandara shero bakazare. Hiramasa. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You know, when we're in the presence of the Lord like this, I could just stay here. <laughs> and there is a sweet presence of the Lord with us tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sure. I just have the sense like. You know, there are times when God just kind of draws us close. And tonight, even as we were worshiping, I just I began to feel like he was saying, just come on. Come on close. You know, when you like, he comes, come, just come sit here. Come sit here a moment. And that's the sense that I have tonight. He's saying, come on. Come close. Come sit next to him. Come sit by him. Because I feel like there's some things that he wants to share with us. I'm kind of going away from where I thought I was going, but... If we can, will you give me a little bit of grace to just kind of flow with where I, you know. Because I feel like that the Lord is drawing you close as a body. Because he wants to just share some things with you. You know, as I've been sharing, was it last night? Goodness. Last night and this morning. You know, I've been sharing with you about what I sense God is saying about that he's calling us to be a body. That God is looking for the corporate body, the one man, the one new man to come forth. Which, and I spoke a little bit last night and this morning about what that looks like, about all the members coming together in a body and being rightly aligned. And, you know, there's, there's lots of different teaching we could do around that. Um, but I feel like tonight, because... We, I feel like the Lord wants to speak something else to us tonight. Because here at Prepare the Way, and, and, and you know, for those who've, even who are visiting, because you, you know, God's drawn you here, God is doing something. We, we've said, we, know, we kind of are realizing that he's begun a new chapter. As we've stepped into 2023, God has begun a new chapter. He is doing some new things, Okay. I like to often use the word fresh things because, you know, the Bible tells us there's nothing new under the sun, but it might be new for us. We may not have seen it before. And so God is doing some fresh and new things among us. And one of the keys that, I, that as we've been sharing is that he's looking for the emergence of a corporate body, one, one man with Jesus as the head, with us as the body, okay, functioning together being joined together in the body and being rightly aligned as the head. 
And I said that I felt like for prepare the way, as you enter into your eighth year, God is saying you are a forerunner. Part of what he's called you as a people to in the body is to be a forerunner, to, to, do, to go ahead in some senses. Just like John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus, there are those in the body that God gives the assignment, for want of a better word, to prepare the way, to go first, to do some things that maybe others aren't doing. Not because we're better. Not because we're more anointed or more special, but every part of the body has a function. And it just so happens that the function here in this local body is to prepare the way. That's the name, okay? To prepare the way of the Lord, to make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And so God is asking us, as we heard this morning, he's saying, will you, will you take on my burden, which is to see, you know, a, a corporate people arise? Will you begin to do that? Will you begin to let God deal with our hearts so that we truly can come to the place of being one body? Are we going to let God cut into circumcise our hearts and deal with the things in our hearts that keep us divided from one another? Are we going to have the courage this year to let him shine his light on the places which are um, causing us not to be united? And we, we kind of said yes. I got one yes over here. We did. We said yes this morning. And even again tonight, we were saying, Lord, we surrender. We're saying yes to you, God. And, you know, as we have surrendered to the Lord, and I think that's why the Lord's just something different is going on, because as we've said yes to the Lord, it pleases the heart of God. Because I said to us, God looks for our surrender. We don't have to know everything about how to do it. When God says to you, will you come and do this? You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to know the pathway. You just have to be prepared to say, yes, I'll go. And you see, people who forerun something, if you're a pioneer, it means there isn't necessarily a map. Yes? You know, you guys are out here kind of on the western side, you know. You know, when, when you're pioneers, you're going into places that others haven't been before. And so you're just kind of like, it's all desert, you know, or it's all forest, or it's all, there are no roads there yet, as it were. But God is saying, will you forerun? Will you go into this territory? Will you follow me through this territory, creating a path, make straight in the desert a highway so that others can follow? That's kind of what we're getting ready to do here, because that's your name. Prepare the way of the Lord. Okay, I didn't choose the name. All right? But you, you know, God gave them the name. This is God's idea. And so we're getting ready to go into a new season. We're starting a whole new chapter in God here. Okay? Starting from this year. And we're going to forerun some things, and we're going to have to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're going to need his wisdom, okay? Be to help us to know how to navigate this way. And we're going to have to really spend time saying, Lord, what do you want? What's going to please you? What does your way look like here, God? Lord, how do we become one body? Lord, what, how do we do that? 
Because we can all, you know, stand here and hold hands and sing kumbaya and dance around in circles. That doesn't create unity, necessarily. Might look like it on the outside because we're all singing the same song and holding hands, but that's not true unity. Amen. It's not being really, truly connected. And so we're going to have to ask the Lord, Lord, how do we as a body, how, will you, how, how are we connected? How do we actually grow into this place of loving one another in such a way that people know that we're your disciples? How does that happen, God? How do we come into the place of having one voice, one mind, you know, one heart, you know, in the book of Acts, it says, you know, when they were gathered in the upper room, it says they were all there in one accord. And that, that word, to be in one accord in Greek, is a Greek word called homothumadon, which means we're of one heart and one vision. We all want the same thing. We're all coming into agreement around the same thing. And our hearts are making one sound which means that in our hearts we've all dealt with the opposing opinions and opposing agendas and everything. Because you see, sometimes when we're just gathered together and we're all saying, yes, we love you and God, we want what you want, but in our hearts are saying, yes, I want what you want, God, but I, this is what I want. You know, as long as it fits into my box, God, this is what I want. And so even when we're together, our hearts don't necessarily have one sound. That's why we haven't seen what happened in the book of Acts. Because we haven't been in one accord. There hasn't been homothumadon within the body of Christ. Because when there is that one accord, one heart, one sound, it attracts God. It attracts the Holy Spirit. He comes close. Because he's hearing something that he's going, ah, here's unity. Here's one sound. I'm seeing one heart, one, one. God likes one. You know, the Lord our God is one. God likes everything together. God does not like division, okay? He likes things to be together. So when God hears unity, when he hears one sound, when he's hearing one voice, he's coming to look. Because this is actually a supernatural thing when we come, when there's that level of unity, okay? And so God, we, but, but even as we look at that, we begin to think, well, how in the world is that going to happen, God? How, how, how does that come? Well, we're about to go on a journey. You're all looking at me, Amen. you know? Because in our culture, we kind of are waiting for someone to say, okay, this is how you do it. Step one, you do this, and then step two, and then Bob's your uncle, we'll have unity. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It takes a journey and a group of people who humble themselves and go day by day and stick to it and say, I'm in this because I believe in what Jesus said. I believe in God's vision. So I'm going to stay where God has planted me and I'm going to live and I'm going to work and I'm going to play with the people, you know, that God has put in my life and I'm going to figure it out when we run into issues. We're going to work it out. We're going to forgive. We're going to love. We're going to grow because his purpose and his vision is greater than my agenda. And we are going to have to go on that journey. Now, I'm describing to you the journey we all are on and are going on some more as we go forward in this. But tonight, as we were just worshiping and I just felt the Lord come close, I felt like 
he wants me to share some things. You know, God, he's so good. He is so good. As we set out on some journeys, sometimes ahead of time, he wants to let us know about some pitfalls along the way to watch out for. You know, you don't have to make every mistake yourself. <laughs> Did you know that? You know? When we were young and immature, you know, I was like that. When I was a teenager, you know, and, and, you know, people would say, well, you know, I don't want you to make this mistake. I'd say, well, I want to make my own mistakes. Leave me alone. You know, my mother would say, Beverly, I'd say, Ma, let me make my mistakes. You know, I wish, I wish I'd listened to her, but, you know. Because we, 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 the thing is, God wants in his, he's a good father, and we don't have to make mistakes if we don't need to, for want of a better word. That's why the Bible, it says, Timothy says, you know, that all scripture is God-inspired. And, it, and it's good for us, and it will help us. And so the word is there because there are things in the word that if we will take note of them, they can save us a whole lot of problems. Yeah. Did you know that? You know, if we, if that, that's part of the reason why it says study to show yourself approved. Why it says, you know, let your mind be renewed, you know, but through the word of God. Because if we really study and take to heart what he's saying, as we go on these journeys, there are things we can avoid ahead of time. And we don't have to go through some heartache. We don't, there are things that we don't have to go through because he's already shown us and said, watch out for this thing. And if you see it, then you begin to understand what you need to do about it. Does that make sense to you? So I'm going to just share two stories from the scriptures tonight. It, it feels very strange to me to do this. I've never kind of done it like this before. But I really felt like that the Lord, you know, he said, I want you just to share these pictures and stories because there are t- these are two key things that as you head out into this journey of preparing the way, of moving into, you know, being the corporate body on a whole new level, you need to watch out for these things. Okay? Is that okay? So I'm going to share with you two stories that are actually from the Old Testament. Now, we know the Old Testament, the Bible says, is given to us for a type and a shadow, which means it gives us pictures of things that in the new covenant, we can look through the lens of Jesus and we can begin to see something and draw a principle from that that can be applied for us within the new covenant. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So I'm deciding which one I'm going with first. Um, Let's go first to, Jesus, which one do I go to first? Okay, let's go to this one first. It's in Joshua. Let's go to Joshua um, chapter, I think we're going to start in chapter 7. Joshua, yeah. So, in Joshua, now, when we, when we start to look at the book of Joshua, you all know the story. The Israelites came out of Egypt. They were delivered under Moses. They went through 40 years in the wilderness, all kinds of drama going on. in, the, And then they come into the promised land. And when they come into the promised land, uh, you know, God, initially they go to Jericho because God has said, you're going to go in and I'm going to give you this land uh, and you're going to have houses you didn't build and, you know, flocks and fields you didn't plant, all of those good things. We're coming into the promised land. And firstly, they come in and God gives them a strategy and they go in and they, uh, 
take Jericho. All, all familiar. I know you guys all know the scripture here. So you're all familiar with that story. And so, but here's the thing. Let's just go back. Actually, let's go back to Joshua 6, which is where we have the whole story of Jericho. And God gave them a specific strategy when they went to Jericho. Because every, every place where they were going to, God was giving them a strategy for how to deal with something. Okay? How many know that as you go on this journey, God's going to give you strategy? Amen. Okay, In this house, God is going to give strategy, and he's going to give things and say, this is how I want you to do this. This is how I want you to do that. Okay, And we're going to be following his strategy because he's leading us. So if you go in, in Joshua 6, when he's giving the strategy, and he's saying, you know, when the, when the city, when the walls fall down, he said, only Rahab, the harlot, you let her live, okay, uh, because she hid them. So, you know, the Lord is giving instruction. Let's go to verse 18. And in the middle of it, he says here, in the middle of his instruction, he says, and you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. And, you know, it talks about the accursed thing there. In some, the, in some translations, it talks about the devoted things. So they're saying, he's saying, when you and, and you take the city, there are certain things in that city that are devoted to another god. Because Jericho, they, they worshipped other gods. So there are things in that city that have been set apart to other gods. These devoted or accursed things. He's saying, don't take them. Okay? Because they belong to other gods. He says, so don't take them. Because if you do, it's going to make, um, make the camp of Israel a curse and going to bring trouble. Verse 19, it says, But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So in amongst his strategy, he gives them this instruction. Do you think this instruction is clear? Yeah. It's clear? If there's an accursed thing, don't take it. The gold, the silver, the bronze, that's consecrated to the Lord. It's got to come into the Lord's treasury. Very clear. Okay, so we know the story, and what happens is they go in, the walls fall down, they do everything, and it's a great victory, fantastic. Let's go to chapter 7. And after this victory, it says, verse 1, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Kami, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burnt against the children of Israel. So they, they're saying here, I want you to notice the language. It says, the children of Israel committed a trespass. The children, plural. I want you to see that. The children of Israel committed a trespass. And so what happens is now they come to the city of Ai, or however you pronounce it, and they're, you know, full. They got the victory. God was good. They're ready to go. They're ready to take the next city. Off they go. And we know they suffer a tremendous defeat. Okay? They get a whole lot of them get killed, and they get run off. And Joshua is like, God, you know, let's read what he says. He says, verse 7, And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? You know, he's like, God, what are you doing? You brought me here to kill me. What's going on? Um, and then, and he's, you know, complaining, and Lord, what about this? And what about that? And you've just left us. You know, ever, ever been in that place? Okay, so glad Didi's with me. You know, the rest of you are, have never, never been in that place where, God, why did you do this to me? I obeyed you, and look what a terrible situation. 
situation I'm in. Okay. So anyway, so verse 10. So he's, Joshua is moaning to the Lord about all of this and says, So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why are you lying on your face? Israel, Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. It's like God's going like, uh, duh, what's wrong with you, Joshua? You're crying and moaning, but I gave you an instruction and you all have sinned. Poor Joshua. Like, what does he know about anything? He's just like, we won. This is great. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't know what went on. So God is saying to them, you know, Israel has sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have, and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. I want you to notice he's talking about the children of Israel. He's talking about the whole nation. All right? Because it says they have taken some of the accursed things, the devoted things, which they weren't allowed to. And it says they have also stolen and deceived. Three things. They've taken the accursed thing, they've stolen, and they've deceived. And because of that, all of you are doomed to destruction. Imagine. Now, Joshua, if we continue to read on, we know, because we get the back story, that it was one person who did this. One person out of a whole nation, Achan. He's the guy who did this. We know that he took of the accursed things, was like a Babylonian robe, and he took gold and silver, and he took them. He didn't tell anybody. He took it, and he's actually got it buried in his tent, buried in the ground under his tent. One person disobeyed the Lord. But do you hear the Lord? The whole of Israel has trespassed against me. The whole of Israel is doomed to destruction. You see, this is a, there's a here that we need to lay a hold of. Because you see, when Israel crossed over into the promised land, one of the things God was dealing with them in the wilderness was saying to them, you were slaves in Egypt, and you were all about you, because you were just trying to survive, and you were just being you. But now you've come through the wilderness, and I made you a nation. God married the nation of Israel. He gave them an identity as a nation made them his own special people, a corporate body. There was a difference. They came in as a bunch of slaves, but when they move out of the wilderness into the promised land, they are a nation, a corporate people, a chosen generation, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. I know it's Israelite, okay? Them as one corporate people. Then they began to move in that place when one did something. It had an effect on the whole nation. In fact, if you read when they went against the city of Ai, people died. A whole lot of people died. Because one person wanted some stuff for themselves. One person decided, God won't notice if I just keep and the silver belongs to God. But you know, he's got so much in his treasuries. No one will notice if I just keep these few gold and silver things in my tent. It had an effect on the whole nation. See, if you go down 
you know, God actually then tells Joshua, tells him what to do. And what they do is they bring all the clans together and they kind of question everybody. And he goes man by man, he goes through them. And then eventually we get to Achan and verse 19, it says, now Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him. Tell me now what you have done and do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. And so Joshua goes and he finds all of these things and they, they bring them out. And they bring him out together with his family and everything, you know, that, that belongs to him. And Joshua says, verse 25, he says, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones. And they burned him after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised up heap there. Quite a serious story. I know it's not a light story. There is a very important principle that we need to get here. And it's not that we should stone people in our midst, okay? <laughs> Just gonna put that out there in case anybody's going down that road, okay? But the principle of this is that when we begin separately, as we're about to do, moving into this time, we have to understand that everything that I do affects us. If I'm gonna deceive the Lord and I'm gonna steal from the Lord and hold to what is his, it's going to affect all of us. If I'm going to hold on, if, I, if there's something that I'm going to covet that actually is devoted to another God, if I'm going to bring my idols into the house, it's going to affect all of us. I know it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair that, you know, if Timothy decides he wants to keep this, it's going to affect all of us, really? Is that fair, God? Shouldn't he be the one to, you know, you should deal with him. But God says, no, he says, you're one body. We need each other, and what we do is going to affect us all. That's why this is a journey we're going to go on together, Amen. together. And I'm sharing this with you. It was one of the things that, that came up in my spirit because God wants his people to walk in victory. He wants to see us walking in the fullness of the anointing and the authority that Jesus died for us to have. But we can't be keeping some things back. We can't, you know, hold on to this and then still be trying to do something else. We, we can't wear these masks and say, well, I'm over here and I'm really with you, Pastor Rob, and we're in this together, but over here behind you, I'm talking behind your back and I'm sowing discord amongst people. We can't have that. We can't have that because the whole body is going to suffer. The whole body cannot move forward. And I'm not saying that people will die as what happened here, but you know what? The whole body is being stopped from moving forward. It's really, really Anybody ever been in the place where you're seeking after God and pressing in and saying, God, you know, we just want what, and you're doing everything you know how, but you're just not moving forward? You, get, you can get a little bit despondent. You get a little bit hopeless. And sometimes you just give up and say, well, this doesn't work anymore. And sometimes it's not that it doesn't work, but it's because there's fighting against the 
And we are a corporate body. This is something we must get. We must lay hold of this, especially in the Western world. In our culture, we are so individual. We are so individual. We think it rises and falls on what we do. We have to begin to understand that what I do impacts on my brother and my sister. You know, if I'm going to sit and go and drink tea with Barbara and have a great gossip session about everybody in the church, it's going to have an effect on my brothers and my sisters. If I have an opinion about something and I'm going to be talking about it and spreading it all over and bringing division, it's going to have an effect on us. It's going to stop us moving forward. And this is something the Lord is saying, watch out for this. As you go on this journey, watch out for this. That's why we need to hold one another accountable. You know, if I'm somewhere and somebody starts gossiping and saying to me, now, you know, Beverly, you know, did you hear this? I have to be able to say, actually, no, we're not going to have this conversation. If you have an issue with this, you need to go and deal with the person or you need to bring it to the person that you need to bring it to, but I'm not going to have this conversation with you. I'm not going to enter into this thing. We're going to have to hold one another accountable. And in places where we're being pulled away into things, we need to hold each other accountable and say, hey, what are you doing going off doing that? Come on, come on, come back over here. You know, because we are in this together. We are in this together. Not one person can do this on their own. We're going to need each other. And so the, this, the first thing I want to say to us is we need to watch out. Watch out. Watch out in my own heart. In my heart. Because we're going to be tempted. I can tell you. We're going to be tempted to hold back some things. You know, when Pastor Robert says, we're going to do this, you know, this is what the Lord said, and we're going to do this. And in your heart, you're going, well, you all can go do that. That's fabulous. I, I, I'm, I, I'm really sorry, Pastor Robert. I'm really busy. I just, just can't get involved in that right now. Because I'm holding back something. I'm like, well, I don't really agree with you, so I'll just, like, you know, find my way out. We need to watch out because what we do is going to affect us all, okay? Now, and I, again, I want to say this to you. This is not to be heavy. It's because I felt like the Lord was saying tonight, warn them. Let them know what to look out for. You, you don't want to fall in a trap that you don't need to fall into, do you? I don't. And so I want to watch out for it. I want to be checking my heart. Lord, am I holding on to anything I shouldn't be holding on to? Am I holding on to unforgiveness somewhere in my heart that I just don't want to forgive this person? Am I holding on to something that doesn't, shouldn't be here? Does it make sense to you? Okay, so that's the first thing. Because we must understand as we move forward, what, we all, what each of us does, it will have an effect on all of us. Okay, and that works the other way as well. You know, as we're when we come in and we and we are on fire for the Lord and we're coming in full of the Lord, you know, and and uh, Diane's coming and she's had a really tough week and her, her fire's running a little bit low. Well, you know what? When you come in and we're on fire, we just get around her and she can catch a light again and be encouraged and lifted up. And you don't have to do it yourself because you know we're all burning brightly. You see, we need one another all the time. 
we need each other. And, it's, and when it's good, it's good. But I want us to un- watch out and understand if you're tempted in any way to take hold of the accursed thing or to take the gold and the silver and just hide it when it's meant to be in the Lord's treasury, it's going to affect all of us on some level. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So that's the first thing that I wanted to just kind of bring to your attention. And the other thing that I wanted to kind of just bring out is found in 2 Samuel and chapter 6. Is this okay, everybody, today as we're doing this? I know I've kind of taken a little bit of a detour here. Because I want you to know you're very precious to the Lord. You're very precious to the Lord. Because people who are willing to be forerunners, people who say, God... I'm willing to trust you. Go out there and just give up my all. Lord, I'll do it. You know, he loves that. He loves that. And he loves you. And so that's why he's kind of coming to us also and saying, okay, now here's just a little heads up, some things to watch out for. And we're going we're gonna, to, this is again a familiar story to you. This is, you all know that, um, where shall I pick up this story? Uh, the Ark of the Covenant. Do you remember when it, when it got taken in battle and the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant? You all remember that story? The Ark of the Covenant is where God's presence was. It was a symbol to Israel of God's presence because, you know, God himself was where the Ark was. And it got taken by the Philistines and, you know, they had a terrible time. The Philistines, Dagon, fell on his face when they brought the Ark in and then they all got, you know, got boils and all kinds of things and they decided, you know what, please take this Ark back. We don't want it because it's causing too much chaos. So they, they put the ark on a cart and they, you know, they sent it back. And it goes, it was brought into the house of Abinadab, him. Okay, went into his house and it stayed there for a long time. But now when David was king, we know that he uh, set up a tabernacle and he said, well, I want to bring the ark of the Lord back. Because David loved the Lord, and he you know, was building the tabernacle for the Lord and all of that kind of thing. So he decides, Lord, we're going to bring the ark back. And he's all excited, and he gets all the people together. So we're going to pick this up. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 6. It says, again, David gathered all the choice men uh, of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from whatever, Baal, Judah, to bring up... From there, the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So he's all excited. He's got 30,000 people. Off they're going to go get the ark. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. So I want you to see something. Here's David, very excited because, you know, he wants to see the, the ark come back to Jerusalem. David loves, he's passionate about God. You know, he's the king. And he's like, what a fantastic idea. We're going to bring the presence of God back to the tabernacle. And off he goes and he goes, okay, well, you know, we won't use the same cart, you know, that the Philistines we won't use their cart. So, uh, you know, let's get, let's get a new cart and put the ark on and we'll, we'll bring it back. Now we know, because we've read the story, this was not the best idea that David could have had. And in hindsight, David knew because in the law, God had been very explicitly clear about how the ark was to be transported. 
In fact, there was a whole tribe of people who it was their job to transport the ark, carrying it on their shoulders. That was their job. A whole lot of people set apart just for that job. But David, I don't know. I don't know. Was he not thinking? Did he forget? Was he overexcited? Who knows? You know, it's one of those questions I always want to ask him when we see him. You know, what, what happened there, David? Like, like, what happened? You know? And so they get this, they, they take the, the cart, they put the ark on it, and the two sons of Abinadab, Ahio and Uzzah, they go alongside the cart because, you know, they're making sure that this thing's, this uh, ark of the covenant has been in their house for a long time. It's been in their house. Now imagine the ark of the covenant in your house. Okay? But it had been there for a long time. So it kind of becomes part of the furniture. Like it was always just there. You know, maybe they ran around, tripped over it. I don't, I don't know, you know, threw stuff out. I'm like, who knows? It was in their house. It was something they'd become familiar with. They knew it. Like it wasn't something special to them. So when David says, okay, they're like, okay, they put it on the cart and, you know, off they go to take this back. And we know the story. It says, Verse 4, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God, and Hale went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, and they had wood and harps and tambourines and every kind of noisemaker. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and, God, Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah, or the breach of Uzzah to this day. Now we know the story, and we've probably heard, you've probably heard many things being preached on this story. And here's the thing that I want to bring out for us, number one. As we are going into this journey, and we are forerunning, and we're going to be asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want? How do you want to do it? The first thing is, don't use the methods of the past. Just because it was carried on an ark from the Philistines' camp, doesn't mean you can put it on an ark now. I mean, put it on a cart now. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, how do you want to do this? Every step we take is going to be soaked in prayer. That's why in this house, we have the awakening house of prayer. There's prayer going on before services. There's so much prayer that goes up here because we're soaking every step in prayer. Lord, what do you want? Lord, how do you want this? Lord, what do you want this to look like? So let's not be tempted to use old methods as we move forward because they might have been okay for some people, but they might not be okay for here. We need to see. Want this. Time, I would little Uzzah. David, it's angry, and in some translations, said he was displeased with the Lord because he was, you know, bringing the ark back. He said, God, I'm doing the thing, you know, I thought this is what you wanted. I'm you wanted. How can you kill this little kid or young man? I don't know how old he was. So, God, how do you kill this person? He was just, he really, he was trying to stay, he didn't want the ark to fall off the cart. He thought. Thing. He thought that he was holding the thing together. It, you know, I think maybe his heart was in the We haven't understood his way. 
He was familiar with it. And he didn't realize this was the presence of God. And he reached out to touch it. Now we know, if we look at the law, we know you're not allowed to do that. Okay? But he didn't know because he'd become familiar with it. And you see, so often for us, we become familiar with things. We see them so often. Well, they're always there. And we think we can treat them any way we want to treat them because we're so familiar with them. Familiarity is something that will kill you dead very quickly. Familiarity is something in the house of God that we must watch against because it's really hard. As human beings, you know, when you're coming into the house of God and you get used to seeing Pastor Rob and Pastor Kay, you get used to, you know, having different people up on this platform and you think, well, well anybody could do that. Anybody can get up and do that. You know, why only... The we become familiar with things that are actually holy and set apart unto the Lord. And so we begin to think, well, it doesn't matter if I do this. It doesn't matter if, you know, I just get up on, you know, if I'm, I'm use an example, if I'm singing that day and I get up and, you know, my heart's not really in the right place, but it really doesn't matter, you know, God, God, you know, it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. God's house is holy and set apart to the Lord. I want to tell you this platform, okay, and I'm not talking about the physical platform, but the, the place that has been laid in prayer in this place, years of prayer and travail and tears and seeking of the Lord has built a platform so that when we gather together, the presence of the Lord is here. Before we even play a note or sing a song, you come in here, the presence of God is in this place because this place has been set apart, has been set apart as holy to the Lord, has been consecrated to the Lord, and so He is in this place. But when we come and we treat it just any old way, it's not going to go well for us. For us. Okay? Remember, because we're a body. We never want to become familiar with the things of God. And that is a discipline that we have to begin to learn as the people of God. We become familiar with our leaders. We think we can, we can treat them anyway. We think that we can say what we want to about them. We think that we can you know, come and stick our fingers in their face and tell them how they should be doing things. That's familiarity. Because you, you, you've forgotten that God set them apart as holy unto the Lord. Now, I'm not saying we don't speak to our leaders. I'm not saying, please, please don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. But what I'm saying is that we have to treat with honor one another, and especially our leaders. The Bible says they are worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word. So we never want to be familiar with our leaders. We never want to be familiar with one another. We never want to just treat each other lightly. We always want to honor one another. We want to prefer one another. We never just want to you know, write people off. Oh, that person, she'll never amount to anything. You never want to do that. We never want to become familiar with each other and with the things of God because that's what happened here with Uzzah, and he died. He died. It was a horrible lesson. And David, you know, went back and had to seek the Lord. And then he went and he did it the way that God wanted it done. 
Because God has a way that he wants things done. I want to tell you everything that you are about to walk into, God has a way for it. God knows how he wants things done in his house. He knows. He put it in his word. It's in here. And so our job is to go to him and say, God, what does this look like? How do we do this? We must always seek him for how are we going to move forward? How are we going to carry his presence? His word will tell us how we're going to carry his presence. And we know David went back and he got the Levites and he got the singers and then they did. They put it on their shoulders. They walked six paces. They stopped and then they offered sacrifices. Then they walked another six paces. It took them a whole lot longer than just putting it on a cart and moving towards Jerusalem. There was a whole lot. It was a lot more expensive. They had to do all of these offerings. They needed all the people. It took much longer. But they did it God's way and God's presence was restored into the tabernacle. And God was with his people again. You see, there aren't quick ways to do these things. It's going to take some time. I'm just going to let you know. It's going to take some time, this journey of preparing the way, of becoming a corporate body. There's going to be six steps. Then there's going to be sacrifice. It's going to take sacrifice from us. It's going to take some dying from all of us. Dying to ourselves, dying to what we want, how we like it, you know? It's going to be some dying. But on the other side of it, when we come to that place of unity, of homothumadon, the presence of God and the glory of God is what comes close to us. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're heading for. We're heading to the place of that one body that shows forth the glory of the Lord. But it is going to be a journey. And so as you move forward, as we move forward, because we're also on our own journey, everybody's on a journey with this, as we as the body of Christ move forward into this, tonight the Lord is saying, we're going, because you said we're going. Remember? I surrender all. Remember? Remember, we surrender all. That was, yes, Lord, we surrender, we're going. So we are going, okay? We are going. We are going on this journey. We are heading off into this place of saying, Lord, it's no longer me, but it's us. It's I now live in you, in Jesus. It's no longer I who live. What is it? Galatians 2.20. I'm going to go to it because I'll quote it incorrectly. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not me who lives. We live in Him. We live in Him. And we are going on a journey to work out to, to, in Him, how do we live together, move together, have our being in Him together. Because that is our destiny. That is our future. That is who we are called to be as we're going to be emerging in 2023 this one body that is going to carry the anointing of the Lord, that we're going to begin to see his kingdom be established on earth 
as it is in heaven. But tonight, I just felt like the Lord say, watch out. Watch out for these things. Watch out for familiarity. Watch out for it among you. Guard against it. Guard your relationships. Guard against it. There's a whole lot of stuff around familiarity, and I think the Lord might take you down there a little bit, but you need to watch out for familiarity. We always want to seek the Lord. How do you want it? Let's never presume we know how God wants a thing. Let's always take time to ask Him, to seek His counsel. And number three, remember, it's not just about me or you. It's about us. What I do, what you do, what you do, what you do is going to affect all of us. We're in this together. We're in it together. We need one another. We need one another. And if we will take note of that, there are other things the Lord will show you along the way, but I just felt like tonight these two things the Lord wanted to bring to us attention. He said, take note, take note. Because we fight not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and the wicked strategies of the enemy. And these are some of his favorite strategies. Okay? So we want to recognize them and we want to be prepared. Amen? Amen. So, Father, I know, I know um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time saying a whole lot of stuff. I don't even know what time we usually end here. But I, I feel like that's what the Lord wanted me to bring you tonight. But at the same time, I also feel like God wants to encourage you. He wants to encourage you. There is something, there is something really special in this house. There is something special in this house that he loves. That he loves. And I want to encourage you to keep on. I know that most of you guys here, you're like, you know, the, you're like the, the, core, the core people. You're in it. <laughs> you're, you're in it, you know. And God wants to encourage you because he's seen your faithfulness to keep at it, to keep pressing on, to keep believing him, even when it seemed hard, when it seemed impossible, when it didn't make sense to you, you stayed. And you said, God, I'm not going to allow the enemy to rip me out. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to get offended. I'm going to stay. And God is going to honor that. He's going to honor that. You are going to be amazed at what is about to come forth in the months and in the years to come. I want to say, even this time next year, we're going to look back and we're going to say, we cannot believe what the Lord did. We would never have thought it possible in one year. And it's, but it's going to take all of us, all of us, staying in that place of surrender and saying, Lord, we trust you. We're going to go step by step. We're going to follow the, uh, follow the authority and the leadership that you've set in place. We're going to trust you in them. And we're going to uh, lock shields. As Mark was telling me, you're going to lock shields with them. And we're going to move forward as one body. And we're going to prepare the way of the Lord. And we're going to make straight in this desert wilderness of Arizona, we're going to make straight a highway for our God. Amen. 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 Well, Father, I just want to thank you. Lord, it's always such a privilege for me to be here.
to be part, to come and join in with the family here. And Lord, I am so encouraged at what you are doing. Father, on this seventh anniversary, as we're heading into the eighth year, Lord, I'm encouraged by all those that you have brought, all those that you have set. And right now, I just feel, Lord, I want to begin to call in everyone who is meant to be set in this house. Lord, we call them forth now. We say it is time for you to come and to find your place in the house of the Lord. Father, we want to call in. We want to call them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Lord, I want to call in those who have been set out on the outskirts because they've been wounded or been hurt before. Lord, Father, I'm asking tonight that you begin to draw them by your spirit. Bring them back. Bring them back because, Lord, we need in this body every single cell. We need every person, everyone that you have said would be set in this house. Lord, we call them. We call them. We call them. We say, come. We say, come. There is space for you. We say, come. We're a body and we need you. We're not going to make it without you. So we call you forth now. We call them out now. And we say, come, come, come. Lord, we open the doors in this house. And we say, all those that you have said to be set in this place, we call them now. And we say, Lord, let them find this place. Father, I'm asking now, send out spiritual invitations, Lord Jesus, and bring them by your spirit. Bring them by your spirit because it's time. It's time. It's time. Lord, we begin to declare that it is time for your body to begin to come together. It is time for the bones and the ligaments to begin to come together, to be joined together, to be strengthened, God, because there is a body that is going to arise out of Arizona. There is a body that is coming forth even out of this place. And Father, we are declaring it tonight that, Lord, in this year, 2023, Lord, we will begin to see the emergence of your body even out of this place in the name of Jesus. Lord, you will have your way because you have found a people who say, God, I want what you want. And so, Lord, tonight, I just ask for the blessing of the Lord to be upon this people. Lord, turn your face towards them. Shine upon them, Father. Add what is missing, Father God. Add to them what they need, Lord. Father, I thank you that you begin to open the treasury rooms and release the resources needed for this body, Father, for this adventure they're heading out on. God, there's new equipment they need, both spiritual and physical. And Lord, I thank you that you begin to release it now to them in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that even out of the treasury rooms, Father, angels are being released and they're carrying with them what you need. I thank you, Father, for the books that are coming, strategies that are coming. Father, those that are coming in with gifts and skills, Father God, everything that they have need of is available to them. And we declare now in this new year that it is open. Lord, it is open. The doors are open. Open. The doors are open, Father God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that the door is open over this place, God. And heaven is moving to work with them in this new season. 
And Lord, we just declare that over this house. And Lord, I just want to bless your people. We bless them, God. We bless them, Lord. They are your people that you love. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, I just want to say thank you to you all for having me here this weekend. It has been such a great joy to be with you all. And I want to thank you for being those who say yes to the Lord. Thank you for saying yes to him. Because we all, we all need one another. It's going to take all of us in all our places to see his glory come. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for welcoming me, loving me. Thank you for letting me be part of the family, Pastor Robin Kay. Let's just stand up and, and thank Beverly for bringing such an encouraging, prophetic word of the Lord to the house. Just give her a hand. Thank you so much, Beverly. She's really just nailed, hit the nail on the head. What a blessing to this church. She's family. How many of you realize that? And, uh, you know, praise the Lord. We, we just thank God for family and, and, you know, in the house, ministers that are family. And that's who we're bringing in. We're bringing in family when we, when we minister because they have a heart for the house. Amen. And, and Beverly has proven consistently to be a friend of the house of Prepare the Way. And so we bless her as she's come. And so I'm going to bless you as well. So just lift up your hands to the Lord. And we've got to have our ministry team come on up. I know we've used you a lot. I hope we haven't abused you, but we have used you this weekend. Ministry team, if you'll come on up. If you need special prayer after the blessing, if you need a prayer for healing, if you need a prayer of agreement, maybe a prophetic word from the Lord, our ministry team is here to minister to you tonight. So just lift up your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord God. Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the new chapter. We thank you, Lord, for the eighth day, Father. Father, we step into it. We embrace it, Father. We embrace the circumcision of our heart, Father. We embrace your name, Father. And we pray, God, that even as your name is lifted up, that all men would be drawn unto you, Father. Father, thank you, Lord, for the blessing of the Lord through Beverly, God. Thank you for the prophetic word. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for setting the mark, Lord, this weekend. And I pray, God, that you would cause us to press toward the mark for the prize of fulfilling your calling, Father, upon this house, Lord, even upon this city and this state, for your kingdom and your glory, in Jesus' mighty, mighty name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Don't forget Awakening House of Prayer. Beverly will be here for the Awakening House of Prayer service tomorrow at 11 a.m. God bless you.